And so we're going to see three things this morning. We're going to see a relationship, we're going to see revelation, and we're going to see a response. So again, we're at Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to take our time in a couple of these verses, because we only have seven verses. Don't worry, I did shorten up my notes because it's Christmas Eve, so Lord willing, we'll get out of here semi-quickly. But I would say, stay, hang out with me, stay in with me, amen? Awesome, okay, so here we are. In this section, we're in Matthew. This is important because we remember that all the different Gospels, though we have the three synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then you have John kind of writing his own thing, but definitely of the same events, but kind of from the helicopter view, if you will, with Matthew, Mark, and Luke writing from the, the corner view of what's going on on the street level. And see, with Matthew, he's not as concerned about the fact that, yes, Jesus was a man, or that Jesus was the Son of God, or that Jesus was the perfect servant. Matthew is a Jewish man who is concerned with the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the King that has been promised to deliver his people from all of the enemies of, of, of Israel and of God's people. And see, in Psalm 89, 29, it prophesied of the Messiah. It said, I will make him to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven. And see, Israel, they waited for, for, for hundreds, if not thousands, a thousand years. You figure 2 Samuel 7, 16. There was a promise given to David that said, Since you've desired to build me a house, I'm going to build you a house, the Lord said. He says, I'm going to make one come from your line that is going to be that king who his throne will not pass away. Then we think back to places like Moses in Deuteronomy, I believe it's Deuteronomy 18. It says there would be a prophet that would come that would be greater than Moses. And whatever he said, you need to abide by it. You need to receive it. Life and death eternally depend upon that prophet's voice. And I believe clearly he spoke of Jesus Christ. You go back to Genesis. Genesis 12 with Abraham. Abraham was promised, I will give you a great nation. It's going to come out of your lineage. A man who was old without children was being told this. And he believed the promise of the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, as it says in Genesis 15, 6. And see, when he believed this promise, it was the fact that, man, through your lineage, I'm going to give a king, I'm going to give a people, I'm going to fulfill these things. And then we go back even further to Genesis 3:15. When sin began in the garden, and Adam and Eve, they had sinned, they'd fallen short. And the Lord told this, the enemy Satan in Genesis 3.15, He said, I am going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and though you may bruise his heel, he's going to crush your head. See, this was always a promise that one was coming to deliver and sustain the people of Israel, God's people. And see, Matthew, Matthew says, oh man, I'm going to tell you, I believe he has come. This is the one we've been waiting for, he would say. And so he talks in verse 18. He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And it's funny, the word for birth here is genesis. But it could be translated not just as birth, but as nativity. 
And see, that's so interesting, because I don't know about you guys, I'm not that educated. <laughs> I have a bachelor's degree in marketing, which doesn't help me a lot with Bible study sometimes, okay? Not a lot of places that helps me with. But when I, I think of the word nativity, my brain thinks of probably what you're thinking, like the lawn decorations that people put up in the neighborhood, right? You're like, oh, cute, the nativity scene. It's the nativity. That means a stable. That means the donkeys and all. It's talking about the birth. The focus of this whole thing, as beautiful as it is, that we had a lowly Savior in the sense that He came and was accessible, the focus is always on the fact that God has fulfilled His Word in giving His Son, Jesus Christ, to come to live the perfect life, to die in our place and rise again to prove that He is God the Son. And see, this is what we celebrate today and in this season. He says that Mary was betrothed to Joseph. And before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might hear that word betrothed. You're like, what is that? We don't have that in our culture. Well, there were kind of three, I'd say three stages to the marriage process in their culture in their day. It was kind of a man-made process. It wasn't necessarily Bible-given, Scripture-given, but it was the way of their culture of their time. You know there were arranged marriages in their time. So as these young children may play together, the, the fathers would say, hey, let's arrange this thing. Let's put these two together. First step, hey, let's make an arrangement. Now, that could be annulled. It wasn't that formal yet. You could say, hey, you know what? We made an agreement 10 years ago when you had a lot of nice goats and things for me to get from you, but the stock market crashed and you lost your goats. Right? No, I don't know. But whatever it is, it's like, I don't want to agree to that anymore. That was easy enough to break. You could make a new, a new arrangement. Step one was arrangement. Step two was this betrothal process. This was, hey, we are entering into that agreement, that arrangement, and when we enter this process, we are essentially saying, no, we've decided we're going to be husband and wife. So by all legal stances, they're, they're husband and wife, but it was a waiting period of about a year, commentators say that you would wait and it would prove that the husband was sincere in his pledge, that he was willing to wait, and it would, pure, it would show the purity of the wife that, hey, for a year, we know, they're, though they're husband and wife, she's pure, and this is going to prove it. And at some point, the husband would then go, and he'd take his wife, and they'd go, and they'd have this big week-long wedding. It would be awesome. At that point, that's the third stage, where it's like, all right, we've entered that official, true, final covenant. And so that's the process. They're in that middle process where anyone that knows Joseph and Mary, they're like, oh, they're husband and wife, but they aren't to touch each other in the sense they're, they're to be pure, they're not to be together. And it says here, in that season, it says that she was found with child before they had come together. So this is the season where Joseph and Mary are showing everyone, hey, we're pure, not doing anything, and suddenly Mary is pregnant with a child. Can we just stop for a minute? I know, we're not going to go in depth. We have children in the room, but I'm going to tell you this much. We don't really talk about this part of the story very often. The humanity involved here is that a young virgin woman said, I agree to this plan, Lord. I will participate despite the controversy that is going to come with this. <laughs> despite the appearance, though you have called me highly favored, People are not going to favor us in this season. <laughs> We've committed to the plans of the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ, and we are probably going to be outcasted for this. 
And then you have Joseph over here. I feel kind of bad for this guy at this moment, right? I, I will tell you, if you guys don't know much about me, I will tell you in the early 2000s, I was in an emo band. You guys know what emo is? <laughs> Emotional. I'm an emo guy, right? I'm like, poor Joseph is heartbroken. His girl, man, he's just crying at night in his bed. So sad. I'm an emo guy, kind of. I'm reading this. And I'm like, poor Joseph. Joseph's heartbroken. He's thinking at this moment. He's like, Mary's been found with child. And I haven't been around her. This is one of those moments where you're going, what are we going to do here? And see, it's interesting because on Mary's side, she had the angel Gabriel already appear to her, who explained what was going to happen. She is so pure. She's like, how is this even going to happen? She says in Luke 1.34, I've never known a man. And the angel says in Luke 1.35, says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And see, the Lord was working His perfect plan to provide a human, the Christ, through Mary, a legal descendant to the throne, one that can ascend to the throne through Joseph's lineage, but also being completely pure in maintaining that deity as God the Son. I mean, if you're writing about this as the prophets, these are the kinds of things that First Peter talks about, that, man, the angels peered in to understand these things. The prophets didn't necessarily know how this would all work. And when this was all occurring... It was basically what Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says. It says, but when the fullness of the time has come, God sent forth His Son, deity, born of a woman, humanity, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. <laughs> this is what we celebrate, that the Word, the, who was the, in the beginning, has become flesh, as John 1, 14 says. God the Son came, lived that life under the law, fulfilled it perfectly according to Matthew 5, 17. He says, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill them. And see, the reality is, as Jesus has fulfilled these things, we believe upon Him. We've been talking about this in Galatians. This by faith, receiving the grace of God that is available in Jesus Christ, that's how you become a child of God. Amen? You see, it says in John 1, 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe upon his name. All of this is because of the birth of Jesus. Jesus has to be born to live the life, to die on the cross, to rise again. I don't know what you might be celebrating this Christmas. <laughs> And look at, I love Christmas. I love the decor. I have two little boys at home, a little sick right now, which is a bummer. But I love just the fact that they are so excited about the lights, the presents. You can't blame them. They're kids. I love it. They're just excited for the season. Those are cool things. But let me tell you the best thing is knowing that Jesus Christ has given the greatest gift in the fact that we now can obtain adoption as sons of God through his completed work. Amen? This is why we celebrate every year. This is why we're so excited. Look at verse 19, what it says here. It says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So 
So now we get that human side of Joseph, right? Again, emo guy here. I'm thinking about Joseph. And Joseph is here. It says that he's thinking about these things. Remember, no angel has appeared quite yet to him. I have no doubt he knows that, that Mary is, has conceived. So that means I'm imagining that Mary's the one that told him. And I'm imagining Mary probably tried to explain that to him. And I don't know, guys, in this room, if you were with your engaged wife, bride, and she says, this is the work of the Lord, maybe you're like, this is crazy, right? <laughs> this has not happened in Scripture yet. <laughs> this is not something, let me be clear, that's not happening again, amen? Don't accept that excuse. I guess it is, be clear. I'm like, I've got to be careful with that one if someone tries to pull that one. No. But <laughs> at that time, this hadn't occurred yet. There's no Scripture to say, like, oh, the Lord does such things. Now, let me be clear. There is great instances where the Lord miraculously gave children through natural means. We have Abraham and Sarah, really super old, but yet pregnant with child. We have Manoah's wife who wanted a child, Samson. We have Hannah who prayed for a son, and the Lord heard it and said, I'll give you a son, and Samuel came of that. But we've never had anything like this because there's only one who was born as God the Son, amen? There is only one that will ever be born, God the Son, in the flesh, and it's Jesus Christ. And see, in this moment, though, Joseph's going, I, he's, I gotta think, Joseph's walking away like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> it, it, we see he's not immediately saying, I'm gonna drag your name through the mud. I'm gonna just absolutely seek vengeance on you for this. I think this is important. I think it's in the book of James. It probably is, because everyone makes fun of how often I quote the book of James. Back there, Colin. So the reality is, when you in the book of James, it says that we should be slow to speak, swift to hear, slow to wrath, because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I believe if Joseph jumps in the flesh immediately to the situation, it's like, man, I'm offended. I am disgusted. I am going to take every legal action that I can. But it says that he was a just man. Now, that's interesting, because you hear the word just, and you do think about, like, lawful judgment, right? Fair lawful judgment. But in this case, the word that's here is dikaios. It means righteous, and it's used about th at least three times about other people in Scripture. I'll give you a couple of them here. Noah, in Genesis 6-9, was called a just man. A man that believed the promised word of God so much that he built a boat out in the desert, right? We have... The next one there is Simeon in Luke 2.25, who anxiously awaited the birth of the Christ because he was told by God that he would not die until he saw the birth of the promised one, which, again, in Luke 2, he declares that Jesus is that one. And in Mark 6.20, it says that of John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest of prophets in Luke 7.28. So it's good company that Joseph is in here, right? Again, Noah, Simeon, John the Baptist. Proverbs 12, 2 says, A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but of a, a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. And see, in this section, I do. I see the heart of Joseph. He says, I love this betrothed wife of mine so much that though I could legally pull her into the streets in their culture, Based upon Deuteronomy 22, 23 to 24, she could have been stoned in the streets for what, what this appeared to be. And I don't know if you've ever been heartbroken before. Probably. When you're heartbroken and you're angry, you're not thinking about mercy most of the time. You're thinking about, man, I've got to get even on this. Joseph was not that guy. 
Joseph, and it makes so much sense now, why the Lord says, I'm choosing this Mary who believes and obeys and who is betrothed to this man, Joseph, who is patient and merciful. And see, it says here that he was lying on his bed contemplating these things. It says Joseph, I'm sorry, it doesn't say lying on his bed. It says he was a just man and not wanting to make her a public example. He was minded to put her away secretly. It was on his mind what he should do. I don't know if you've ever been in a spot where you're just so panicked <laughs> over the situation, the scenario that is surrounding your life. You might be in a spot, I will use the example here. <laughs> you might be in a spot where you're like, man, my marriage might be destroyed. There may have been infidelity in this relationship. And he's just panicked, heartbroken, trying to figure out what to do. Obviously, clearly still loves her. But look what happens. Look at how good the Lord is. Look at verse 20 and through 21 here. It says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, I talked about him lying on his bed because I'm thinking he's sleeping. It's, just, it's a dream, right? He has this dream. I think of this man just heartbroken, laying there, trying to fall asleep, contemplating all these things. And how good is the Lord? to faithfully come to speak to his people, to direct his people, to guide his people in all things, even in those difficult seasons of heartache, confusion, exhaustion, just total chaos in the moment. And I imagine him laying here trying to work through these things. And it reminds me of Psalm 94, 19. It says, In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts, O Lord, delight my soul. Anxieties is a big word to me. I don't think I've run into a more common issue in the church in the last however many years I've been doing ministry than anxiety. Anxiety is something that is so sudden in many of our lives, it just pops up. And man, the enemy loves to use that instrument to draw you into fear out of the face, to draw you away from the promise of the Lord. But I love that the Lord is so good. You go to his word and he is there. The multitude of my anxieties within me, my fears, my uh, my the chaos around me, the Lord says, man, you will delight in what I can do for you. Amen? That peace that surpasses all understanding as we read about in the New Testament. We see that the Lord has always been willing to do that. And in this case, he sends an angel of the Lord who calls Joseph by name. I think that's pretty crazy, right? I didn't get the wrong address. <laughs> I didn't get the wrong guy. Joseph, son of David. Now, let me be clear. Son of David speaks of the lineage. It speaks of the fact that Joseph belongs to that line of David that was promised a Messiah would be born. And see, as the angel's telling him this, I think it's alluding to that. It's almost starting to draw him in to recall the promises of the Messiah. And see, in this moment, he says, take, marry your wife, don't be afraid. How many times did we see Jesus show up in the New Testament and tell people, do not be afraid? You remember when Paul was debating, just leaving Corinth? I believe it's in Acts 18, if I remember correctly. He was like, I got to get out of here. This place is dark. It's crazy. The Lord Jesus showed up and said, do not be afraid. 
Do not be afraid, the Lord would say. In John 14, 27, I believe it is, Jesus says, Peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen? Jesus is the one who gives peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And we talk about it every year. Peace is all over, you know, peace on the Christmas tree, on the decor. Why is that? Because when you trust in Jesus Christ, you will know true peace. I will tell you, though, if you don't put your trust in Jesus Christ, you're going to know this fake peace of the world. And man, it doesn't help you in situations like this. It doesn't get redeemed for the glory of God in that way when you're not trusting in the Lord. It's just suffering. But when you come into the Lord, He redeems even the hard things for His glory. And it's such a blessed thing that we have a Savior who loves us and desires to guide us into truth. We're told in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. I think about that. That's written before this event's happening. Joseph could recall that verse and say, I don't understand this, but an angel now is coming and telling me this is the Word of God. It's confirming what Mary has told him. And he says, man, I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust that this is the Lord. It hasn't even come to fruition yet. The child hasn't been born yet. But we're going to see his response as one of faith. In verse 21, it says the angel of the Lord was stressing the unique glory of this child as he says, she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And see that name Jesus, it literally means savior. Jehovah is salvation. The salvation of God, the Savior who has come from God, is here. And it's wonderful because remember the Messiah. Yes, he is the king that has been promised. But we're also told in Daniel 9.24, it says that the Messiah was coming to make an end of sins. You see, there was an element where, yes, I don't believe we have seen it. We are going to see it in the future. Jesus is coming again to rule and reign as that messianic king. Amen? But that first time he came, he came to do away with the greatest enemy of all mankind, sin and eternal death. <laughs> to make a way for you to not have to be separated from God. There is a literal true hell despite what people might try to teach you today. The gospel is only good news because there is some bad news. <laughs> that apart from Jesus Christ, there is no eternal life with God the Father. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And see, the fact is, Jesus is going to end sins. He ended sins by going upon that cross. Zechariah 9, 9 says, Behold, your king is coming to you. He's just in having salvation. The king is going to be lowly and accessible. He's going to come. He's not only going to end sins, he's also going to bring salvation to you. And see, Acts 4, 12 said, There's no other name under heaven among men by which we must, must be saved. I have to stress it. I know it's somewhat unorthodox because I still have like a page of notes here. Don't worry, we're almost there. But it's unorthodox to stop in the middle of your sales pitch, if you will, and say, now is the time to make the decision to buy the product. <laughs> and I will tell you what the product is. It's not coming to my church. It's not becoming like a member or something. We don't even do that. It's you believing upon the name of Jesus Christ. If you have tuned out or close to tune out, don't do it till you hear this. <laughs> Jesus Christ died for you. He loves you. And you will not know what you were created for until you step into the promises of Jesus Christ. 
I have to hit that now because we're almost done, but you might be starting to tune out. If you came in here and said, I'm here because my parents made me come here. I'm here because my grandparents came. I've been in those shoes, dude. I know. I know. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off another day, another month, another year. You know man is promised tomorrow. Amen? Look at how this, again, in verse 21, what it says here, that he will save his people from their sins. Some people hear that and they go, it's the Jewish people. He came to save the Jewish people. It's not what it says. He came to save his people. And see, regardless of your culture or your background, Jesus has come to save all of the world who is willing to put their trust in him. We're told in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It goes on to say, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. Now again, that's not a message of universalism. It doesn't mean that everyone's going in just because Jesus died. You have to profess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. There is lip service Christianity all over the place, especially during Christmas season. You can probably go into whatever store. You can go to Costco probably, and they have music playing that's about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. <laughs> Generally speaking, you go out and people are hanging things. Joy to the world. They don't know what that means because they haven't experienced the joy that is found in Jesus Christ alone. And see, you can be his people by believing upon him. Isaiah 45, 22 spoke of the reach of the, of the Messiah. It said, look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. The Lord says, I am God. There is no other. I'm the God of all. You need to look to me. And Simeon, who we talked about earlier, he prophesied in Luke 2, 32. He declared that Jesus was a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Absolutely, Jesus came as the Messiah to be the Messiah of Israel first and foremost there. But we have to understand that just as no one came to the party in that parable that Jesus told them, they went out to the highways and started inviting anyone they could. The invited guest didn't show up, so he said, anyone come on in. Just got to put the gown on. You got to put the robes on. Jesus Christ will give you his robes of righteousness to anyone, anyone who calls upon his name, according to Romans 10.13 and Joel 2.32. Old Testament, New Testament declares salvation comes through believing in Jesus Christ. Amen? Look at 22 and 23. It says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, and he quotes Isaiah 7.14, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. <laughs> Amen? What an incredible statement. I'm going to go off notes for a second here. I'm just going to tell you, we talked about this on Thursday night last week. <laughs> Studying through the book of Daniel, we talked about the fact that man, Nebuchadnezzar saw that fourth one in the fire with the three men, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in that fire, there's a fourth one. And he says, he looks like a son of a god. <laughs> Who is this one? It is God himself. God has put on flesh. God the Son has come and dwelt among us. That we may have a Savior who is with us, who has been tempted as we have been tempted, yet is without sin and fulfilled that law that he can deliver us from the fire of this world, from that attack of the enemy, to deliver us from the bondage of slavery of sin. Jesus is that one. <laughs> he is God with us. But it says here again, Matthew's explaining again, that Jewish man is saying, this story I'm telling you is a true story and it fulfills the promises of the Lord that came through the prophet. 
He's specifically here speaking of the prophet Isaiah. As we explain in verse 23, he quotes Isaiah 7.14. And see, I think about this, and Joseph doesn't realize initially, that, man, I'm participating in the fulfillment of these prophecies that have been given hundreds of years before this child was conceived. And now, if you would have asked Joseph before that angel comes to him, he probably says, this is like the hardest thing I've ever endured. This is going to be controversial. It's going to be scandalous. It's going to be problematic. Whatever we decide to do here, this is a hard situation. And all of it was actually the Lord's plan to bless Joseph and Mary and everyone else who would ever believe in Jesus Christ. I don't know what you're going through right now. Now, I will tell you, I believe it pales in comparison to the birth of the Savior. <laughs> But I will tell you, you need to know that you're suffering in something difficult right now, and you're like, I don't know why I'm going through this. Let me remind you, God is with us, amen? That he's here for you. Call upon his name, come into him, trust in him, and man, he will direct your paths. But also in this section, it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Speaking of heaven and the thing that lies ahead. But in this case, I think Joseph says, what is happening here? The Lord says, you can't even understand what is happening. It is a glorious thing that you are blessed to be a part of. And Matthew is saying it was fulfilling Isaiah 7.14. You see, the Lord said he would give a sign when the Messiah was arriving. That sign, it says in Isaiah 7.14 again, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So here's this prophecy given hundreds of years before. I believe that Joseph and Mary, they knew of these prophecies. Maybe Joseph's just thinking like, no, this can't be us. There's no way that we're those people. <laughs> this is wild. You know it's said that Jewish girls prayed to be Mary? They prayed to be that lady someday that would be the one that would be the virgin to receive the, 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 the Messiah. They didn't know how that would come. But they prayed for that. I think Mary and Joseph, they knew of these promises. They just didn't connect it yet. How often is that us? I know so much of the scripture. And then something goes awry, in my opinion. And I'm like, oh Lord, where are you? What are you doing? And he says, I'm bringing my word that is going to bless and glorify and you don't understand it yet, but it's going to come because I promised it. <laughs> Amen? We can take the Lord at his word. <laughs> you can trust him in everything he's promised, including when Jesus says in John 5, 24, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. You can trust that when you put your faith in Jesus' completed work, you will experience everlasting life. Amen? Every man, every woman, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God, Jesus said in John 3, 3. No doubt about it. If you are not born again, which comes by trusting Jesus Christ, receiving his Holy Spirit, you will not enter eternity with God. You need to put your trust in Jesus Christ. And see, not only was it prophesied that a virgin would bear this child, <laughs> if that's not wild enough that God said that and this was occurring, in Micah 5, 2, it said specifically where this child would be born. It said, But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. 
God says, I'm going to send that child, that Messiah is coming as child, human flesh. My son is coming through the virgin and is going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, in Luke's account, we find out they go to Bethlehem. They're in Nazareth originally. Maybe Joseph's thinking, well, we aren't in Bethlehem. This can't be us. <laughs> a decree came from that radical governor, that, that, that ruler, Caesar Augustus, that said, I want everyone to be registered. Go back to your hometown. And see, Joseph, it says in Luke 2, being of that Davidic lineage, had to go back to the city of David. Remember, in 2 Samuel 7, it was promised, David, I'm sending you a son who's going to rule forever. Micah 5.2 says he's coming from the town of Bethlehem. Isaiah 7.14 says he's going to be born of a virgin. Piece that all together. <laughs> the hand of God upon that situation to send forth his son, God, with us. <laughs> and see, God came in the flesh, born a human, <laughs> added humanity to his deity, we would say, lived the perfect life, died upon the cross, and fulfilled Isaiah 53.5. That verse says, the wound, He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. But by His stripes, by His wounds, we are healed. Amen? Jesus didn't just fulfill the birth of the Messiah. He also fulfilled the, the work of the Messiah. And He went and He died as was prophesied of the Messiah. He hanged and died for our sins. And Isaiah uh, 53 goes on to say that he would see the fruit of that labor. <laughs> and see, as we have put our trust in Jesus Christ, that's the joy that was set before him, according to Hebrews 12, 2. And he says, I'm going to the cross to die because I understand what it's going to lead to. Salvation for my people. Anyone who puts their trust in me, Jesus would say. And so look at how we end. Look at the response here in 24 and 25. It says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. <laughs> See, this is awesome because we have this relationship that seems like, what is happening here? Chaos, it seems. Then we have this revelation of the Word of God that says, no, you can trust that this is the plans of God. And there's this grounding that happens. He received the Word, but then you have to respond to the Word with obedience. Joseph, it's not good enough for Joseph to go, man, I had this really weird dream. It seemed really cool, but now I'm not going to do anything about it. <laughs> this morning, if you've never heard the revelation of the Gospel that we have presented this morning, that's not enough. You have to respond to it and accept it and walk in it. <laughs> To say, man, I do believe this. I'm going to respond to that revealed word of God. And it's interesting here, because when it says he was aroused from sleep, it uses this word, diegairo, and it could be translated as he was stirred up from sleep. This is so cool to me, because he heard what the Lord said through this angel. He heard it from the messenger of God, if you will. And he says, man, I'm stirred up to get out of this place and go do what has been told to me. To walk in faith rather than that fear that I had. To believe that this is the promised word of God coming to fruition through a really wild situation that I don't understand. It hasn't been fully come to fruition yet, but I'm going to trust based upon the word given to me that this is the truth. <laughs> and see, again, his behavior corresponded with the revelation of the word. It's the same as Abraham in Genesis 12. When Abraham's being promised, you're going to have this great nation. When Sarah overhears that she's going to have a child and laughs at it. 
But see, Abraham, it says in Hebrews 11, 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. He says, look at the Lord has told me, get out of my family's house from my father's house and go to a land that he'll show me. I don't understand that all the way, but I'm just going to go because I believe it's the Lord. He gave me his word. I can trust his word. Then the word comes, I'm going to give you a son when you're really old. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but I'm going to step into this promise by faith. And see, as we obey the promised word of God, those blessings, the reality of him being glorified in our life, that's how it happens. You have to step into the faith to glorify God. Amen? Matthew 5.16 says, We are to walk out these good works to glorify our, fathers in heaven, our Father who is in heaven, that all the world may see these things and glorify Him. Are you walking out the things the Lord has called you to? Or are you living as if you are your own Lord, your own Savior? You can't save yourself and you're not fit to be Lord. Amen? <laughs> You need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And see, I love it because what Joseph did, again, last thing here is interesting. He obeyed on every level. He, first of all, he broke the culture customs of his time. He says, I'm going to take her to me now. There's this man-made thing that says we have to wait a year. I'm worried. I want to protect her. I want to care for her during this pregnancy. I'm going to take her in, despite what the world might think of that. I'm going to step into that. <laughs> now, that's a wild thing because, again, no matter what he does here, there's going to be some scandal involved with this. <laughs> and he says, I'm committing to it because G the Lord has called me to be attached to the name of Jesus. What is the thing the Lord has called you? You're saying, ah, oh, it's too risky. It's too scary. It's too damning to step into the things of Jesus in this world. Step into them. <laughs> don't go around trying to make enemies, but when the Lord calls you to step into his plan, don't fear man. Amen? We, the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord shall be safe, according to Proverbs 29, 25. And so he took her in to protect her. It says that he didn't know her. That speaks of, obviously, um, carnally. He didn't know her. That means that this kept the child absolutely pure. It kept the whole situation pure. There's no doubt that this was a miraculous conception, and this is not Joseph's child. <laughs> Which is wild, because when Jesus is teaching at one point, the Pharisees kind of attack him that way. And they say, we know who our dad is, but you're, a, you're born of sin. Jesus lived under this umbrella, this, 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 this shadow of scandal his entire human life, where people would attack him based on these things. But the reality was, if you were blind to the plans of God, to the word of God, and would not by faith believe, you would oppose Jesus, you would reject him. And see, this morning, you might say, this is so ridiculous that this guy in his flannel on stage thinks that this really occurred. You need to come on in. <laughs> you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ to allow him to give you the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen. When you start living according to the word, you can see that this is the word of God. And when all of it works in your life practically, I'll tell you what it points to, that you can trust the Lord on all the things spiritually as well. And he will come. He will give you his Holy Spirit and you will know that peace that surpasses all understanding. You will begin to, to exude those fruits of the Spirit, that love, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, self-control, as Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says. It'll flow out of you and you will see that the Lord is so good to pour his Spirit into a bunch of broken vessels, as 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, to make us children of God. Amen? Last thing, look at this. It's again, he called his name Jesus. <laughs> See, I think it's interesting. Matthew's account doesn't talk about the nativity scene. It talks about the nativity of Jesus, the birth. 
doesn't talk like Luke, the physician, is really concerned about a baby being born in a stable. I think that's fair. The doctor's like, this doesn't make good sense to have a baby in a dirty stable, right? The doctor's concerned. Matthew? It's like, look at, I don't know about, I don't need to talk about where he was born, any of that. That's not my concern right now. The concern is that he is Jesus. That he could translate that as Savior. You want to talk about the stable? You want to put a lawn decoration out there that looks like the stable? That's great. You better know that he's the Savior. <laughs> put your trust in Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it's great because Joseph knew obedience was calling the child Savior. This morning you have an opportunity to express obedience in calling that same child Savior. <laughs> have you called upon the name of Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about showing up to church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about good moral deeds. I'm talking about putting your trust in the completed work of Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate every year because, man, we should celebrate it every day, man. <laughs> I hope you do. I hope you rejoice in just gratitude and gratefulness. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to put flesh on to come and die for a wretch like me. And now you call me your own. A manner of love we cannot comprehend. Amen? And so I will tell you this morning, if you already trust in Jesus, remember what you have to talk about today, tomorrow, this week, as you go out to Christmas things with the family. Amen? Jesus is Lord. <laughs> that he loved us and saved us from our sins. He's that king who's coming again. And man, he's so accessible. He's ready to save anyone that will put their trust in him. But I'll tell you, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, today is a day of salvation. <laughs> Don't do another Christmas, don't do another day, don't do another minute without Jesus Christ, without the blood of Jesus washing away your sins that you may have that righteousness in the eyes of God. Amen? Why don't you guys stand with me, we'll pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you now, Lord, and we just thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you so much for your mercy and for your grace and for your love. And Lord, I do, I thank you so much for another Christmas, Lord, another opportunity, Lord, we... We've seen you've tarried thus far, this, this long, Lord, so we thank you for another year, another opportunity to proclaim your gospel. Lord, we do pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, but until then, that we would occupy this place and represent you as your people. Lord, I pray right now for anyone that knows you, that you would fill them with your spirit afresh and anew, and they would go out just bold and just standing upon the truth. And no matter what season they're in, no matter what chaos they're in, no matter what relationship or, or life thing is happening that's going awry in their life, may they turn to you and you would deliver them from their anxieties, Lord. But Father, I pray for anyone here right now, and if you're here and you don't know the Lord, I can't end this without giving you an opportunity just to call upon the name. And this is where it begins. It doesn't end here, but it can begin with you calling upon the Lord by reciting this prayer in your heart. If you mean it and you're sincere, this is the beginning. And so just as you're praying, if you want to be born again, you want to repent of your sins, you can ask Jesus Christ into your heart right now to forgive you. You can repeat in the silence of your heart. You can say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I trust in you and accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, hey, if you said that prayer with me, I'll be in back. I'd love to give you a Bible, give you some apps to help you grow. Um, if you have questions about anything I taught, you need prayer for anything, come see us. Again, we'll be in back. Why don't we sing one more song before we're out of here today?